welcome. Welcome, everybody, to the Rolling Ball, the Leicester Tigers fans podcast, which is approaching the new season with a dangerous sense of ever-growing optimism. And over there, and still alive, I'll come to that in a minute, is Elliot. Hello. Uh, I'm Mike, and today, in part two of our season preview, we'll be looking forward to the upcoming season, looking at the league as a whole, taking a view on the guys the Tigers will be battling with in the Gallagher Premiership this year. We'll also be talking about some of the finer details of what we want to see from the Tigers this season, looking at what we can learn from the latest pre-season match against the Dragons, and have a presumably futile stab at selecting our strongest 15 that we hope to see at some point over the next nine months. Uh, If you did miss it, part one of the season preview, where we rambled on about captaincy and squad incomings and outgoings, is still available to download and listen on all directories. And I just wanted to say from on behalf of both of us, thank you so much for all the kind feedback and comments that we've had and for taking the time to listen. It is much appreciated. Bit of a labour of love and a step into the unknown for us. So uh, it is always appreciated to, uh, to hear that people have enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely agree. And Elliot, I can tell you that we have gone international. Wow. Um, well, I know it's very exotic, but uh, we've had uh, Malaysia, Guatemala. I mean, admittedly, those ones may be people clicking in error. Uh, but a fair few for some reason from Washington DC as well. So I can only assume that's from the White House. Thank you for listening, Mr. President. Uh, I also noticed some from Richmond, Virginia. I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's where the CIA are based. So maybe they're just keeping tabs on us. Um, anyway, uh, but uh, in all seriousness, if you are listening from outside the UK, please do drop us a line on Twitter uh, or an email to say hello. I am obliged to say good day to uh, Brendan and his magnificent moustache in Sydney. Uh, frankly, because he bribed me and saying he'd subscribe if I did say hello to him. Uh, but if you do want to get in touch, drop us an email at therollingmalloutlook.com or tweet us on Twitter with the handle at rollingmallpod or one word if there's anything at all that you want to talk about or if you've got a view that you want to be aired. Now, before we get going, for real, uh, I am obliged to tell you that Elliot has just returned from his own stag do, which horrifyingly started on a Thursday and lasted for three nights, which I think is is pretty heavy going. Uh, mate, how are you doing? Very, very tired, as you can probably tell from my voice. Three, four o'clock finishes in the morning in a row is not big nor clever. However, it is expected on a stag do. And uh, I fulfilled my duties as a stag by staying out until four o'clock each morning. So survived, back in one piece. Eyebrows are still there. Wedding can still go ahead. I think we're doing OK. We're doing OK. Sounds, sounds like a win. You can't ask for more than that. Uh, I should also point out, Elliot did send me a picture of himself uh, in full netball attire whilst I was out for a family picnic with my lovely wife and uh, young son. Uh, for some reason, I found myself feeling envious of him, uh, which probably says more about me than it does about you. But uh, anyway, I thought you very much looked the part in the netball attire and uh, yeah, it looked very liberating. Everyone in Manchester loved it. Going through Manchester City Centre on a Saturday afternoon with everyone looking at me, I... I did my bit, so uh, they got a treat to the eyes. <laughs> they probably see that every weekend. They just roll their eyes. Yep, another stag boot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, behind us as a group, there was a, a set of golfers with the stag all dressed up accordingly. So we weren't the only ones in town uh, uh, doing the old stag duties. Excellent. Well, you are fit and well to do the podcast. So somehow, I don't know how you are, but let's crack on. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about the upcoming Gallagher Premiership season. Um, Elliot, I'm going to throw a hospital pass over to you uh, straight away to kick us off. Tell us your thoughts when you look at the league as a whole this year. I think my first thought, Mike, is when you look at it, it's just how strong the league is now across the board. 
there's no real weak links in the league and there's no sort of gimme when you look at the fixture list now. And I think that's only going to prove for quite an intriguing season where quite a lot of teams are going to go into this pre-season and into the new season itself thinking they've got a real good shot of a decent season. You look across all the teams in the league, for the first time in a while, I've, I've counted up as nine are going to be starting the season with with their expectations or targets of being top four. You never, you then throw another two or three that are going to be in around that sort of fifth to eighth uh, position. And then you've got another couple that are going to try and sort of disrupt in that as, as well. You suddenly look at it and go, it's going to be a real tough season each week now. It's going to be a real tough slog, especially when you get around to the winter and the heavy pitches. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really excited to see how Friday it night, goes. Friday night in Salford. Can they do it on a Friday night in Salford? I know, it's, especially when it's going to be on those heavy pitches. I think it's going to be real, real test of the squads, so, um, which we're obviously going to get onto later. So I think it's all set up for what could be a real classic season. I think, I think especially with Saracens coming back, it adds a little bit of extra spice back in for the neutral and, and for everyone as well. So fans are back. That, I think, is um, a challenge in itself. And I'm intrigued to see how that benefits or not benefits teams as well. So, a really good thing. I know last season was good. I think this this one's going to top it. Completely agree. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that, you know, whilst teams will definitely target certain games, I don't think there are any gimmies really anymore. And it's probably what makes it the best league in the world in terms of com- true competitiveness now. And there's such a range of different styles too. You know, you can compare, for example, the way Quinns play to the way Exeter play, or, you know, the way Leicester play, if we're, we're being honest, last year. And it's when you get the mix of different styles, I think that makes it really entertaining. You know, if everyone's just lobbing it about a bit, you know, tries left, right and centre, you know, you go and say, well, you know, is it really high quality? I think it's consistently high quality. It's consistently competitive. And uh, as I just said, I think anyone can beat anyone on the day. Um, I mean, what's going to be really interesting this year, though, in particular, is the effect of international call-ups. Uh, I think it's bonkers we still don't have an international window or a global calendar for a start. But th- the news is, as I understand it, any English player in that Lions squad, no matter how much they played, even if you Marcus Smith, you only showed up, played one game, um, must have 10 weeks off, 10 weeks break before they can play again. Uh, that means we'll most, well, most will miss around five rounds of action. And if they do come back, uh, they're obviously going to be without having played competitive games for a while. They won't have done you know, the pre-season matches um, and I think that they might come back mid-October. If they do come back mid-October, my maths works out, they probably have about two weeks availability before, you know, if they get selected for England, they then play in the Autumn Internationals. And then you've got the Six Nations on top of that. Now, I'm not sure whether the Scottish or Welsh Lions and the Premiership have similar restrictions on when they can play, but it's fair to assume I think most would miss the start of the season at least. Um but you, uh, that's on top again of the Six Nations and Autumn Internationals. Of course, the Premiership supplies a good chunk of the Springbok and Puma squads too. And when you take into account the Rugby Championship fixtures, again, using some you know, beer mat maths here, and you think about the November Internationals and the fact, particularly the Bok players haven't had a break, really. You think they've gone straight into Lions squad training. Um, I don't, I've got a horrible feeling. I don't think we'll be seeing Visa or Montoya and their mates in the Premiership until, um, until the new year, at least. I think it's it's a great point you've raised. We talk about fine margins across the league, and I think that's going to be a, a particular interesting point where seeing how directors of rugby and head coaches manage their squad and manage their team selections week on week. Because if you look at um, Saracens, for example, if you look at their heavy lines contingent, and you did an excellent uh, bit of analysis on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, 
if you look at that, a lot of their squad, which is the sort of second or third choice players, are going to be exposed to a lot of rugby in an earlier part of the season against teams who are going to be at full strength, us included, for the most part. So I think that's intriguing to see when you go into those international periods where realistically their second or third choice players will start to get in appearances. They could be injured at that point. So you're then looking at the fourth or the fifth choice players coming through. So I, I think, think, I think depth is so like, more important this year, I think, than any time. Anytime Especially with a lower salary cap as well. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's an extra challenge into it as well. So I think that's going to be a sort of um, battle for coaches to sort of deal with. And I think if you look at where Leicester are placed, I think we're fairly placed mid-table in that sort of where we are affected, but not as bad as, as other teams. So I think, especially in those early rounds of the Premiership, I think it's worth keeping an eye out on those sort of scores and fixtures. I think we could have a few shock results come through. Completely agree. Now, we, we were talking uh, just before the podcast started, we we're going to talk about a few rule changes as well. Uh, do you want to quickly go and run through the three three big ones? Well, I mean, especially with, with the, the new thing, of course, it's obviously 13 teams in the league, which is obviously new, but we've also got the 50-22 rule, the no-latching rule, as well as the five-metre um, dropout. So when you look at how teams have set up historically in the past and how they've they've looked to play their style of rugby... It's intriguing to see in the pre-season how much teams have adapted. You know, for example, us and the, the latching, that's something that Leicester got into um, quite a lot last year. I'm intrigued to see how we adapt to that, especially when it gets close to the line. Definitely. I, th- I think it's probably worth, uh, just for anyone listening, just in case that they're, they're not aware of it, just quickly summarising what those rule changes are. So the 50-22 rule is one that's been taken from the 40-20 rule in Rugby League which is effectively where, in rugby union, the way it's going to be applied. If you kick the ball into touch from behind the halfway line and it bounces into touch within the opponent's 22, so it has to bounce first like normal, then instead of it being a line-out to the opposition, as it would have been last year, you get that attacking line-out in their 22. Now, the idea of this is that you've now got to be super careful marshalling the backfield. It means that you've got to drop more players back to cover that space. And therefore, in theory, there should be less players up in the defensive line, which should mean there's more space to attack, better rugby. And of course, that might mean less impact. And again, player welfare comes into it. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I think we'll probably touch on it again in more detail later, but I think certainly with with Ford and Burns, we might have a bit of a leg up there in having the two of the best proponents, I think, of that sort of raking, uh, you know, long, long, low kick into touch. So I think that will be really interesting to see how it benefits Tigers. And then Kevin Sinfield, of course, you've got a rugby league guy who's been working with that rule, or the league version of it, for so long. Um, the, alter- uh, the other ones, of course, no latching. So you can't have uh, three or more players now effectively forming a little pod and charging into contact. It's two at the absolute maximum. And the that's probably going to affect Exeter as well, you think, how they, they play. Totally. And uh, the, the other one is, instead of there being a five-metre scrum, if you get held up over the line, uh, over the try line, it's now going to be a 22-metre dropout. And again, it always seems to be angled at Exeter because if you look at how Exeter sort of, they build pressure, they pick and go, they get held up over the line. doesn't matter, five-metre scrum, they go again and again. All of a sudden, you've got that safety release valve to just bang it away from your own goal line uh, as far as you possibly can. I think it's going to be intrigued to see how teams adapt. I think you're right with us. If you look at the 50-22 rule, we've got two fly halves that can play both ways. Of One, great kickers of the ball. Um, and secondly, great visionaries. Stand close to line and actually see what's in front of them and make a decision and, and take the call accordingly. So I think we're in a good position on that where we can adapt fairly well. 
I think the uh, five meter dropout rule could be um, something that we suffer with because of our propensity to do a rolling mall um, and just five meter drives. I think that could Definitely. affect us slightly more than, than others as well as Exeter. And the latching thing, I think it's, I think it's great news for player welfare because it, at times you look at a three on one pod attacking a bloke. It's, 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 it's not good for, for player self player just, safety, is it? So it's just a fucking speed bump as they just sort of this <laughs> entire scrum of forwards mauls over them. It's yeah, like you say, you wince at, at times when you watch that. So I think I mean it, it all adds to the drama and the intrigue of the season. So I'd like to think with the 50-22 rule that teams won't just kick it endlessly down the middle of the pitch and actually try and um, play some rugby. So Hopefully, it is well-intentioned and the intentions pay off. But I do think of, of all the rules, I think that one is going to benefit Tigers more than, than most, especially with the new emphasis on attacking play that we're trying to do. OK, then. Now we're going to try and run through the league team by team and obviously... Because we're very boring, Elliot, we could probably talk all night about this. Uh, but we're going to try and keep it pretty punchy, maybe about two, three minutes tops per team. I'm just going to fire off some key stats. Obviously, the name of the club, that helps. Head coach, outgoings, incomings, j- just really the big names that we might know of. Obviously, there's going to be some project players that come in and might surprise us and some academy guys. But I'm just going to focus on the on the bigger names. I'm also going to go and stick in some of those key absences from international call-ups that we were mentioning a few minutes ago. I'm not going to include the key injuries because, frankly, I'm not as clued up as I would like to be for each team's injury list because, it, obviously, in the professional game, you don't know who's done what in pre-season as well. Um, but at the end of it, obviously, you provide your sage inputs. I'll say a load of nonsense and hopefully at the end we'll shove a final position on all of them so we can look back and feel like complete twits at the end of the season. What do you say? Sounds like a plan to me. I mean, this is where we have, might have egg on our faces in nine months' time. So always make a note if you're listening and uh, we can laugh in 10 months' time. Yeah, it's actually really stupid when you think about it, because we've just spent about five minutes banging on about, oh, the league's so competitive, everyone could beat anyone. Really unpredictable league. And now we're going to try, we're going to try and put numbers on it. So really stupid by us, but, you know, just trying to create some content so we can look like fools later on. Okay, but let's go. So alphabetically, they're top of the league, probably for the only time this season, sorry, but it's Bath. Their head coach, Stuart Hooper, Outgoings, we've got some big names. We've got Zach Mercer, that's a big loss, you know. Reese Priestland, Christian Judge, Henry Thomas, Elliot Stook. And incoming, if you're looking at the you know, the big names coming in, it's only really Danny Cipriani, he's obviously the headline guy. Darcy Ray is a once capped Scotland prop. Other than that, nobody, you know, I've got to confess, I really know too much about. Uh, and in terms of those key Lions absences, you've got Anthony Watson and uh, Talupe Falatau. And they finished seventh last year. Elliot, what's happening with them this year? Bath are an enigma team. Hard to call, really, because in theory, they could be brilliant and probably should be brilliant. But last year, they really did not do anything of any significance at all. And if you look at those outgoings, Mercer's the big one for me. I think he carried them, especially in that second half of the season. His form was unreal. Probably should have got Probably should have got an England call-up. Um, for the for the way he's been playing, join so, the queue. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Well, I mean, that is a position on its own that's competitive. But if you look at those, I do think they're going to miss out on Mercer. 
I don't see them doing too much better than last year. I think they flattered to deceive. I've got them down on my uh, fantasy league table, down in eighth. Ooh. Really not great. Really not great for them. No, close with me. I've got them as ninth. Now, but but look, Bath are, are a weird one. And if, if anyone from Bath is listening, I've got to say, despite the long rivalry, I do have a big begrudging respect for, uh, respect for Bath, a club of a great history, fantastic city, lovely ground. And as we said, you know, they've got an amazing squad. But as I say, they're not dissimilar to us. They remind me of us in 2016. Remember that lineup which we all looked at and drooled over? But actually, we're all fart, no poo, if being honest, because it's an extraordinary team on paper, particularly beyond that type five. I think there are world-class players dotted around all over the place. Uh, but as we showed when we won at Welford Road, and we, we should have won at the wreck, um, that they are less than the sum of their parts. And I think that has to come down to the coaches. I mean, that was a top four squad last year, even accounting for injuries and international call-ups. And, and I'm, for that reason, I'm just not convinced by Stuart Hooper, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, but on the plus side, you've got Cipriani, who usually lights things up in the first season that he joins a club, then often fades away. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, he's getting on a bit now to see whether he's still got it. And I, I'm just... If they click, they will be serious trouble. But I'm just not convinced by the coaches or that they've adequately replaced some of the, those big-name outgoings. Um, that one guy I will flag as being one to watch, you can't miss him because he's about six foot six with flaming red hair, is Miles Reed. A bit of a breakout year in the back row. I think he'll be exciting to watch. So there'll definitely be some positive performances. They'll beat some big names, but I can't see them doing consistently. So I've got them in, in ninth in a very congested mid-table. But we'll move on to their West Country neighbours. And it's Bristol. And head coach is Pat Lamb. Don't lie, Pat! Don't lie! I, I wanted to find a pantomime boo to put in there as a jingle. Maybe we'll do that post, post-edit. post <laughs> <laughs> um, but outgoings you've got uh, Ben Earl and Max Malins both going back to Saris uh, Sayali Piotau I think a very underrated player in the midfield he, he caused us no end of problems at Welford Road um, incoming the only name I really recognise to be honest is Tom Whiteley from Saracens a very exciting scrum half uh, key absences from the Lions it's uh, only Kyle Sinclair uh, obviously they were top last year but they were beaten in that epic semi-final against Quinns what's in store for them this year? I think they're going to be up there again. I think if you've got a style of rugby like that and it's an ingrained culture and a set way of playing and if you look at that squad, a lot of them have stuck together now the last two or three years and the combinations and connections that drives, I think they're going to be up there. They, they can score a try from anywhere in the pitch. They're a force to be reckoned with. And not only that, they can have the hurt and the disappointment of last year that's going to drive them on. It, it, a lot of teams, after a disappointment in that manner, always fight back a lot in the, in the year after because they've got that as a drive and it's a siege mentality. I've got Bristol down in the same main. You look at the outgoings, Earl and Malins are, are massive losses. You've got to imagine, you've got, every team would, would, would miss those and I think that is going to have an effect but I just think Bristol, they're, they're such a good um, team. I think they're too good to not be able to uh, cope with those losses. Jake Kerr, I think, is an intriguing signing for them because I always thought he could have done bits at Leicester but for every reason it just never worked out. So I'm intrigued to see how um, he gets on. It's the style of rugby that I think he'll do well at. I've got them down as as, as second. So uh, I think it's another good year for for, for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think it's important for me to say because I, I, I don't think that they're going to quite hit where they did last year 
Um, but that's just, again, because of the players that they're missing uh, in terms of the guys that have left. I, I don't think they have been replaced, but they do still have a fantastic side and they're not too affected by the internationals uh, as it stands. Um, it pays me to say as well, though, you know, whilst I was joking about Pat Lamb and I've got my view on him personally, I do think he is a fantastic coach. They play some really sexy rugby um, and they've got enough to make the playoffs. But I think we might see them out muscled a bit more this season. And I do think that your point about them, you know, having that siege mentality and coming back and because of what happened at the end of last season, it'd be interesting to see if they go that way or if it actually exposes a bit of a weakness for them. And you see our England in the, have been an international front, how they can give away leads and they go, oh no, it's happening again. It'll be interesting to see how that goes because they, they were in the European Cup as well. They, they didn't perform when it really, really mattered. And so it'll be interesting to see how Pat Lamb addresses that. Um, players watch, I'd say, Ratu Nalogo. I think uh, he's a late developer, rugby league uh, finishing machine. You saw glimpses of it last season. It'll be interesting to see how he cracks on, uh, cracks on this season. Uh, it's probably going to be a bit of a spicy game at the, the gate, I imagine, when uh, <laughs> where it goes down. It's become a bit of a grudge match. I didn't know we've got a new rivalry, but thanks to what happened, all the shenanigans that went on, it's, it's going to have an extra spice. I, I think it's going to be great. I think, especially when they come up to to our place as well, I think there'll be a few, a few people chirping in Pat Lamb's ear from uh, for behind, them, especially <laughs> in the in the stand. Yeah, completely. But I'm, I'm based between Bristol and Bath. That's where I live now, so I'm looking forward to going to Ashton Gate and, and being that complete moron that shouts out, "Is he injured, Pat? Is he injured?" When he makes his first <laughs> tactical substitution. Uh, and I'm sure I'll get a, a boatload of abuse from the locals quite rightly. But I, I've got the finishing third. You've got the finishing second. They're going to be up there is the bottom line again, I think. Um, they are an exciting team and uh, they are great to watch when you're not being um, done over by their front row replacement strategy. Um, On to another strong team, though. Exeter head coach, or sorry, director of rugby, I should say, is the friendly uncle, Rob Baxter. Outgoings, uh, Alex Cuthbert, Elvis Tony and James Short. I think it's not two bigger names um, there, obviously, apart from Alex Cuthbert, I think was the only guy at the end of the season who was a regular starter. Uh, and incoming, so it's equally unknown. They've got a relatively unknown New Zealand prop called Josh Osefa uh, Scott, and might be pronouncing that horribly wrong, uh, and Sean O'Brien, who isn't that Sean O'Brien. This one's a centre. But they're both, if we're being honest, probably project players. They are missing a fair few lines at the start of the season. Luke Cowdicky, Johnny Hill, Sam Simmons and Stuart Hogg. Uh, they were second last year and were beaten again in an epic match against Quinns in that fantastic final. Um, I think they're going to be up there again, though, aren't they? They're such a consistent team. You, you, they've got an established culture, an established way of playing, an established way of, of being. I think they've, you know, like you said, they've kept the core of that squad together now. And again, I think that makes such a difference. And they've also got a real good academy line. So you've always got a good, ready supply of young players to come in that helps with the squad depth that we mentioned earlier. You mentioned, obviously, Sam Simmons. Obviously, the, the question that everyone wants to know is, is this the year that Eddie finally puts his pride to one side and picks him? I don't think he will. I think Simmons will still be um, an extra player for, for 12 months only. So I think that will make a difference to them because that's obviously going to be a boost for them. The Lions get, the Lions get players for the start of the year, I think, I think that's going to be a loss to them. And I think when you look at our fixture, that's an opportunity for Leicester on the first game of the season to, to take advantage of. But I think with Exeter, that over the course of a long season, they'll be able to cope with those absences and their squad depth, I think, will be able to get them through. So I think we mentioned earlier about Bristol and um, 
they got be- beat themselves against Quinns. They'll they'll be targeting that as redemption. I think they'll. They, we talk about can a team recover from that? They've got a strong enough culture, a strong enough vibe about them where I think they'll be able to cope with that. Baxter will, will be using that as motivation. I think they'll be, uh, they'll be right up there. I've got them finishing top on my uh, fantasy league. So uh, again, I don't see them anything other than consistent top four performance. No argument here. And you know, I think they'll finish top. I think that they've, they're quite tried and tested in having disappointments in finals and then bouncing back the next year. So I think we'll see them back up there. It's quite straightforward for me. I mean, I know they're missing Lions, but I think they've got such amazing depth. I don't think they're going to miss them too much. As much as I hate to be pessimistic for our opening game of the season, because I got excited when I first thought about it. Oh, there's a big opportunity. And it is an opportunity, but I think they've got such great depth. I think they've been ahead of everyone for a little while on that. And they're so well drilled. It just seems that anyone can sort of step in pretty seamlessly. Um I suppose, again, as we mentioned earlier, my only question would be how they adapt to those new laws. That might shake things up a little bit because they do rely on the latch. They do rely on um, building that pressure on the try line. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they adapt to that. But um, aside from that, yeah, I've got them exactly the same, finishing top of the pile. Um, now we'll move over, I suspect, to probably, I hate to say it to my in-laws, who are all Gloucester fans, to, to probably towards the other end of the table, which is Gloucester. Um You've got George Skivington there as the head coach. Some real experience has gone. Uh, Matt Banhan's retired. We Hines and Matt Garvey have left. Um, only one real big name, but it is a good one coming in. Uh, that's Adam Hastings, Scotland fly half. Uh, key absences. You've got uh, 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 Harris, Lewis Rees-Summit, uh, Lewis Rees-Summit and Chino Alamano and Carreras, the Argentinian trio, um, who will be uh, obviously with the Pumas during the Rugby Championship. They had a bad season last year. Let's not go beat about the bush they finish 11th um, can they do any better this year I feel sorry for saying this because I have a quite a number of good friends who are big Gloucester supporters but I don't think they are in for a really good season at all if you look at the squad the backs I think are fantastic I think there's a lot of danger in the back line the danger is for me is the, ch- or the challenge they've got so if you look at that forward pack I think it's under strength and I'm not convinced by Skivington as a um, head coach, if you look at the sort of progress that we made in a similar sort of time frame, I think we came on like leaps and bounds, especially in the forward pack. And I think Gloucester sort of lagged. Well, they, went, know, the other, they went the other way, really. Quite, yeah. Especially it's surprising considering Skivington was a forward himself. So I think they're in for a challenging season, which is a shame for me to say, because I've, as I say, always had a lot of respect for Gloucester. Finished 11th last year. I just don't see them doing too much. I don't think with that pack, I don't think it's strong enough to get them through. I think they're going to struggle again. I've got them down as as, as 12. I'm sorry to say, I just, to, be fair, they, to be fair, they've got the shed on the side. I think you talk about small margins and fans coming back. I think, uh, you know, Gloucester away is always a tough, tough game. The shed will obviously be back and will be in good voice. So that may play in their favour and I think they'll do what, they'll pick up some good home results. But, across the board of season. Yeah, I, I could end up looking stupid. It's happened many times before, but yeah, I've got them down as 12. Yeah. It's all right though, because if you end up looking stupid in front of Gloucester fans, they're always really forgiving, aren't they? You know, they, they, they'll they be, they will they, they will let you forget it and they'll just, they'll just move straight on. They definitely won't rub it in. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I did go, ooh, when he said 12th, to be fair, I've got finishing 10th. And I think it's, it's depth in that type five in particular, I think where they struggle. I think, 
and and to be fair, I don't think the back row is as strong as it's traditionally been for Gloucester. That's always been a you know really good area there. You look at the, some of the big names that have played. I, I agree that though in terms of their outside back, I mean that back three, you know, any team that can choose to you know pick you know Lewis Reece Summit or um Ollie Thorley. I mean, he, he he was injured for a lot of last season, but I had him as the coming man, really. I think he's an absolutely astonishing physical totally. specimen and a, a great player. And you know, I hope he does get fully fit because he really can rip teams apart. And so I'll, I'll pick him as one to watch last year because he basically unfortunately he had so much time off injured last season. Um I suppose it is worth saying they were very close on a lot of games last season, just couldn't push over. So that's why I've got them having a small improvement. I think they will sneak a few more results. Uh, come in. I think Adam Hastings is a smart, smart signing. I do think they've probably missed that, that quality at 10 and consistency at 10. So I think that we will see an improvement, but I just don't think there's enough in that pack to guarantee them consistency. So you're saying 12th and I'm saying 10th. And we're going to yo-yo straight back up. Harlequins, the champions, unbelievably. What a finish they had last season. Head coach, <laughs> thankless task coming in. Tabai Matson. Uh, obviously, a lot of experience with New Zealand age groups. You know, great coach in his own right. But this is, you know, I'd, I'd probably go as far as say it's his first really big gig. Um, outgoings. Uh, there's some big names, actually, outgoing. You've got James Lang, Scott Baldwin, Mike Brown, Kelly Campanaro. Obviously, he was injured a lot, to be fair. Uh, backup nine in Landajo for Pumas. Nathan Earl and Ben Tapawai. Uh, incoming, you've got Tommaso Allen, uh, Hugh Jones and Jack Walker. That's you know, a pretty handy trio coming in, though, to be fair. Uh, Marcus Smith, is there any international absence? And obviously, I expect to see him, or should certainly be selected for England in the awesome internationals and Six Nations as well. And he's got that 10-week line break. Last season, of course, fourth place, followed by, frankly, two of the best games of rugby I have ever seen, international club level, um, winning the title, one of the most memorable games I've seen. Can they do it again? Of all the teams to pick and to predict for, this was my hardest one. I found it really hard to judge because, in theory, they could be up there again. The style of rugby they play, Smith at 10, the culture again, they've got some good senior lads there in care, Marla. They could be up there. I'm intrigued on the coaching situation because considering the, the coaching setup they've got was quite unique, but found their feet pretty quickly and, you know, bit of a unique model where everyone's got a specialist role. There's no real head coach per se. It's a bit of a committee approach. I'm intrigued to see with, with Matson coming in, how that, that comes in, because it could either be he upsets the apple cart and he's got his own ideas, his own way of playing, and that grates slightly with, with what um, they've already got in place. And he's got to acclimatise and, and get used to his playing group. Or he might just look at it and go, look, you've already got bits and pieces set up. I'm going to just sort of stand back and add choice sayings every so often. And just Claudio Ranieri. We were talking about it before to... the pod, the Claudio Ranieri approach. To stand back, watch, observe, and just tinker and do occasional changes. So that could be the way he goes. I think you look at the, the absences. Mark Smith, I think it's only one that we, we can pick, but I think that one is worth five when you've got a lad like Smith. I think he's such a terrific player and such a key way of what he's all about and how Quinn's play. So I think they are... Um, that could be a real challenge for them. The other absence that isn't an absence at the moment, but could be, is Joe Marler. Because obviously there is question marks of, you know, I think he does want to play for England again. But obviously with the bubble life and all the things that comes with that, he may again choose to to, to not stand up to it, which is, which is fair enough. So if you've got Joe Marler for the whole year, I think that's great for Quinns because he's, again, he's a big part of their culture and what they, what they want to do. I think they've got, 
you know, at the end of the day, last year at Christmas, they were nowhere. At the end of the year, they won the league. So I think they could, they really could do anything. And I've backed them to do well. I think they've, I think they will carry on and continue their, their good form. And I've got them down as third. Third? Oof. Yeah, I've, I've backed them. I've backed them. The, these guys will come on to the ones I found the most difficult shortly. But I, again, I agree. I think they were the most difficult to predict because if you're going for pure names across the team, they 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 don't look as strong on paper as other teams. But the way they play in that that really free flowing way, and the team spirit they had last year, and that never say die attitude, and obviously some serious quality the way Marcus Smith was playing and that academy as well. Guys like Lewis Liner coming through. I mean, I saw a pre season highlights and he looks insanely quick again. I mean, he could have another big season. I mean, what a clip that was. It's worth checking out. If you've not seen it, it's worth finding it because that's some serious gas. And the best thing was they were 21 0 down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just before they decided to do a comeback, it's sort of like become a bit of their MO. Um, you know, I'm not sure they'd be able to do it against, uh, you know, Saris and teams like that. I, I did, when I first did this, I had them down as sixth. But I, I'm going to push him back up to fifth, not because, a little bit because you sway me, but also because I did the lazy thing where I thought, oh, you know, their pack's a little bit, you know, uh, sometimes gets bullied. And I thought, I think I've only seen it second best a couple of times, one of which fortunately was against us. And actually, it is a bloody hard pack. And they've got two great sevens. Obviously, we know about Will Evans. I'm still sad that he, he plays for another team. And Jack Kennigan, what a revelation he was last season at seven. So you've got two great sevens who can play there. Fantastic back row. Alex Dombrandt, I think, should be the England number eight. I think he's superb. The only question mark for me, and this is why I'm going to put them down as fifth, is Marcus Smith being absent for a lot of the season. I think he's so integral to how they play. And even that, I mean, they brought in Tommaso Allen, who was a, he was a damn fine fly-off by himself. But I would be surprised if he's not called up, you know, for Italy duty, you know, at least in the squad. So... You know, I'm, I'm not sure how much cover that's going to give them at key time. So for that reason, I've got them still finishing highly, still filling up highlights reels across the year. But I don't think they'll be top four. I've got them as fifth. But they could, as you said, anywhere between first and ninth, I think, would be, uh, you, you could put them anywhere. Um, right. We'll do the last one before, and this is jumping slightly ahead of Tigers, because it would be Leicester now. But I figured we'd do six either side. Uh, and then have a bit of a break and focus on Leicester rather than talking about all these other teams. So we'll jump onto London Irish quickly. Director of rugby, Declan Kidney, outgoings, Tom Homer, Nick Groom, Wesaki Naholo, Blair Cowan. Incomings, Ben White, probably the only real name that most of us will know, but there's what looked to be a handful of undoubtedly useful South Africans en route, including uh, uh, Marcel van der Merwe, who is a seven-time-cap spring, seven springbok. Um, in terms of their key absences early in the season on international duty, it's uh, it's Gijena. Never, never, even when he played for Tigers, couldn't figure out how to say his, his name. But um, he's obviously a very good prop. Ninth last season. What do you think? Irish are a funny team. They've got some great backs. That back three is is a lot of fire there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think. I think they'd lower mid-table team, if I'm honest. I think they'll, I think they'll do well. I think they'll pick up um, some good results over the season. I think consistency week to week is probably their main, their main downfall. Where one week they can look brilliant, the next week they just don't turn up. There's some, undoubtedly some good players there. However, Blair Cowan going, I think he was a big, big presence in that squad and big leadership material. So I think him going will be uh, will have an impact. If you look at their backs, if 
if they can get the ball into the backs and in dangerous positions, I think they'll tear it up quite a lot. And again, similar to what you say about Quinns, they'll be in the highlights reel. I think you'll see plenty of great tries across the season. Whether that pack is strong enough to sustain not only over the long season, but coping with injuries, I'm not so sure. I'm intrigued to see how Ben White gets on. Um, I think this could be a really good move for him where he gets a lot of game time. So I'm intrigued to see how he fits in there. So, you know, hope he has a good season, apart from when he plays against us, obviously. But so I'm intrigued to see how that goes. But fundamentally, I don't have them as being um, too high up in the league. I think they'll cause a couple of shock results and I think they'll be a nuisance to some teams. But ultimately, I've got them down as 10th. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too different. I can't see them challenging at the top, but yeah, they don't have to have some quality in that team, as you were alluding to there. I mean, l- let's just be clear why Saki Naholo, who's the All Black World Cup winning win, is leaving. And frankly, I don't think anyone's really bothered because if you look yeah. at that, but it's, which is amazing when you think about you know the quality of play here, but you've got guys like Parton, Loader, and Hassel Collins who have just been lethal um, in that back three. And you, know, you would probably say as a unit, we're probably up there as the best back three unit in the league. Um, well, you know, I don't think they've got enough quality in the rest of the side to push uh, into the top half. Uh, they haven't added, I don't think, enough to the squad. They'll, uh, like you, I think they'll definitely have their moments. They'll take some scouts. Uh, they'll probably take ours uh, at, at home, uh, at their own place, given our recent record at London Irish. Um, but for me, I think they're finishing 12th. It's not a million miles away. Right. Well, that's the first. Half of the class, slog, isn't it? Well, uh, <laughs> if, you, if you stuck with us, thank you very much. We're now going to go and talk about the Tigers uh, and we'll talk about them in a bit more detail. All right. Well, we're at half time in our marathon pre-season preview of the league. So we're going to take the opportunity now to look in a bit more detail uh, at the Tigers. We went through them in last week's podcast in terms of incomings and outgoings, but we're going to try and look at them in a bit of a broader sense now and perhaps in terms of how they're going to play, etc. Um, we talked about squad changes already, but anyway, what are you hoping to see from the team in terms of how they play this year? I think Tigers are in a good position. If, if you go into um, the new season, I think they're in a good position. I think they know they're in a good position as well. If you look at the development they've done over the last 12 months since Borfrick has come in. If you then look forward for another 12 months, it's exciting to think of how much improvement is still to come um, from that and from the coaching group. If you look at the squad over the last 12, 18 months, the squad development has been really good um, and they've kept a lot of the squad together from last season. So again, they're in a really good position from, from that point. Throw in a pre-season, which we've not had in a long time, I think they're in a really strong position to kick forward. If you look at the style of play, I think they'll be using or they'll have used this pre-season to develop an all-round game compared to what they had last year, which was a very much a, a very basic but effective game plan which, which got them through. I think they'll be looking to build on that where and start adding a bit more variety into attack and a, a two or three different weapons to use rather than the, the, the one or two that they had last year. And I think it will produce a more rounded game and a, a more effective game, especially against the, the top teams where we struggled against um, last year. If you look at the incomes, I think with Freddie Burns coming in again, I think that adds to that. The youngsters who um, who have had another year of, of playing time, I think the squad's in a really good position. I think Borthwick will do a lot of rest and rotation. And I think it means we can, I think, be really consistent over the over the last, over the next 12 months, sorry. So I think 
especially with the early signs in pre-season of a more rounded game plan. When I was doing my end of um, season review a couple of months ago, I looked at sort of playing stats for offloads and meters gained and we were second or third last. And I think that shows how little time we had ball in hand and how little we tried to, to, to move the ball and how often we kicked it to progress up the field. So I think those would be the areas that they'll be looking to, to develop and move on. And I think with the input of Smith and, and Wigglesworth uh, on the attacking side, I think we'll, we'll see a, a few more tries being scored. The one thing I'd like to see is not only an improvement in style of play, but an improvement in bonus points. I think we were, again, second or third worst in both attacking and losing points. And I think in a season of fine margins, I think that could be the difference between finishing top four or sixth or seventh, because I think the league is so competitive. Having taken bonus points seriously, something we need to target more and stopping teams from getting bonus points. I think we've been too lax over the last 12 months in, in one, not getting the bonus points that our players deserved and also letting teams get a bonus point. I look back at the Irish at home game last year in the last 10 minutes, we had a bit of a, a mad 10 minutes when not, when not only did we not secure our own bonus point, we let them get an, another couple as well. So, and that almost, that almost jeopardised our top six position. So I think for me, I think an improvement in the style of rugby, I'm not expecting this to play like New Zealand, but develop that, develop more youngsters coming through, a bit of rest and rotation to use the squad and to use the depth to our advantage and to focus on bonus points. I think that's a, I think those are my sort of targets and improvements and just evolve from where we've been the last 12 months. Yeah, I lost count of the amount of times that we sort of scored three tries. It was like three and out. We just couldn't get over the line for that fourth. And as you say, I think that can can cost us in a very tight league. So I certainly hope that taking that step up in terms of attack, I mentioned it last week, that the lack of a specific attack coach is still a little bit of a concern for me. I thought that does stand out when you look at that nice coaching site, um, coaching lineup now. It looks pretty well set. But there is still that gap on the attack side. I've got no doubt Wigglesworth will be stepping in. Matt Smith, obviously, and probably George Ford, to be honest, as well, given he's such a student of the game. Um, I definitely want to see a bit more variety in how we play. I already think we made an improvement by not passing it to blokes standing still, which is what we've done in previous years. We've got forwards, you know, running off nine, hitting it at pace, which is great. But I think that we can offer so much more, particularly with guys like Burns, uh, Ford and Van Portfleet and, and Youngs, of course, as well, who... I mean, you look at Van Portfleet and how Young's play, particularly at the start of his career, those are two of the best guys, I reckon, in the league at attacking a fringe. So let's just try and get that variety. I'm not talking about, you know, flinging it wide every time, because that often doesn't work, but hitting runners, coming short off 10 and off 9, and with those kind of option takers like those four halfbacks I've just mentioned, it can cause some serious damage. So I hope we see a bit more variety. I think previously, you know, you look at the stats that BT Sport were throwing out, we were paying 80% off nine. It's easy to predict. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of a step forward on the variety front. Borthwick has always said last season was about set piece and defence and the attack gets layered on top. So hopefully we'll see it uh, coming on leaps and bounds this time. In terms of defence, I think it's, it's pretty obvious Kevin Seafield is advocating a, an aggressive press defence, which should be pretty exciting to watch. I'm sure there's going to be some fairly hairy moments, particularly if the ball gets out the outside, uh, gets to the outside or over the top of it. So the drift will have to be pretty aggressive coming from the inside as well. Um, so it's just about being accurate, I think, on, on the way the defence works and, and being patient with it. It's definitely not a transition year. I'll come on to that later. I think we've had enough of bloody transition years. But I think that... Uh, uh, I just want to see sort of persistence. And if you're going to go for a press defence, go for it continuously. Don't do it for a couple of phases, then start standing off because you end up with 
a bit of a nothing defence in the end. Um, but I mean, obviously, pre-season, a few games gone. We've seen a few bits here and there. Anything particularly exciting or concerning from your point of view? I think always with pre-season, you take it with a pinch of salt because it's more fitness related. But I think you've already seen signs of Kevin Sinfield's uh, approach in defence where we are getting off the line very, very quickly. So I think we just need to keep that um, being developed. But I think that's I think that's going well. We can see the few tries. I know we'll talk about the Dragons game um, later on. But there's a couple of errors, a couple of intercepts, which I think they may be slightly concerned by. Um, but I don't think they will... I don't think the panic stations, I think it's just extra work-ons. I like the intent is starting to show. I think with the variety and the tempo has been good. I've really enjoyed seeing the Freddie Burns and JVP partnership. I think with potential international call-ups, that could be a, a partnership we'll see more of over the season. So it's nice to see them making those connections and, and getting some game times together and building that understanding up together. So I think that's um, really exciting me. Really liked to see Chesham at four. I thought that was a great um, selection. So that was good. Nick Dolly, again, has had a couple of good games as well. So I think we've seen over the last couple of, of games, we've tried to move the ball around. We've seen the back score some tries. I think that's that's exciting. Um, so we're not we're not showing we're forward dominated. We are using the full 15 players. So I think, you know, this is year two of a three or five year project. I just, I just expect... Uh, this to be a, an extra development on top of what we're doing and, and, and keep evolving from and can building on the work we've already done. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that's probably worried me a little bit from pre-season, but I'm sure it could get ironed out, is there's been a few wobbles with the line-out, which is Steve Borthwick will take deeply personally. Um, aside from that, I think there's been far more positives. As you say, that the way Van Portfleet has attacked those fringes and the way Burns has varied his play, taking it to the line and kicked intelligently, I think there's already looks like being a lot more variety. And of course, no side is going to start showing their hand in pre-season. It's just about getting your basic systems in place. It's interesting to see our wingers really holding their width, width as well. Um, that creates more space in itself. They still go looking for work generally, but but generally the open side winger will still stay on his touchline, hugging it, making sure he's got enough room to move as possible. Guys like Nadolo and Samaki, you know, they... They look very, very dangerous if we give them a foot, let alone a few metres. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen anything particularly concerning. A few little hints of excitement, but I don't think we're going to really know until the extra game. But, you know, realistically, I suppose we get on to where we're going to play Tigers. What are your expectations for us this year? Is top four be all and end all? I think this is the point where I think it is a challenge of expectation management for Borfrick and the team because last year no one had real any expectations other than let's not be the comedy club again and anything better than 11th is you know is an improvement and as we saw over the last 12 months we showed more and we got better as, as time went on so and people got on board with that and they got excited by it so I think a lot of people will go into this season going right Leicester are back top four I would expect Leicester to be last year we were in and around that sort of fifth to ninth position quite consistently. I think we will improve on that. And I think we'll be in around that sort of fourth to seventh position, depending on how injuries and results go. I think we will be targeting top four. I don't think we're that far off top four. If we miss out, it will obviously be just disappointing. But I think the first target is to close the gap. We're 17 points off, I believe, from, from fourth position last year. So I think the first priority is to at least narrow the gap to, you know, to a significant um reduction I think we'll be 
taking the, the fight to top four into the last couple of weeks, I think we'll still be going into the last couple of weeks of the season so with it still still on. I think we'll be in the round top four. I think we, you know, the challenge the Tigers have got, I think, is that last year, I think a lot of teams didn't quite take us seriously. I still think they thought of us as being a comedy club in 11th. If you get at them, they'll crumble. And I don't think teams that, I know they always say they respect us, I don't think they ever took us 100% seriously until the last few weeks of the season when we started to show consistently what what we were about and we had something about us. So I think we've got to take that um, seriously and people will turn up against us now going, we can, Tigers are a force to be reckoned with. They will take us seriously. So we're not in for any easy games, but I think top four is a realistic, realistic target. If we miss out, it's not the end of the world. There is still... Um, other things as long as we keep moving forward as long as we improve on what we did last year 11 wins from 22 let's let's improve on that get more points win more games and let's see where we finish up because in a tight league I don't think putting all your eggs in a top four basket is the um, I know let's not get the pitchforks out if we finish fifth let's all, that's all I'm saying <laughs> speak for yourself I'm leading the mob that's it <laughs> but, uh, no I agree I, in all seriousness I can see us finishing anywhere between probably third and ninth if I'm, if I'm being honest, but I've I've pegged us like you. I've got us finishing as fourth because I'm an optimist. I always am pre-season. Um, but I think the main thing, and it does sound pretty boring, is to show that improvement from the previous year. And what I mean by that is score more tries, <laughs> concede less tries, win more games, get more points in the league. And, and, you know, it's all that whole performance-based, real performance focus. So you, you get your performance right. The results will come. You get the results that you deserve. And that's what Borthwick has been you know, banging on, you know, on the rare occasions he speaks to the press. So I, I, I'm, I'm not prepared to say it's another transition year. I think that, I don't think we're at the end of Stevie B's development project. I think that, you know, I agree with probably, you know, year two or five or whatever it may be. But it's not a transition year. We've now got a squad that can compete. Is it good enough to win the league? Yeah, pro- possibly not, really. I think if you're, being, if you're comparing, but I think Arlequin showed last year that it's not about the names on paper, it's how they play together. I think we've got some cracking young players coming through. Uh, you mentioned Chesson. Uh, I think he's been superb in pre-season. And that depth is, is for the first time, is there for, for a long time. And we'll talk about a first-choice team in a minute, but there's not going to be a big drop-off if any other guys come in at all. In fact, they often they just offer something different. And so, yeah, completely agree. I want. I think the, the minimum is improvement, not just in terms of position of the league, that will come as a byproduct of it, but we just need to see sort of that improvement in performance and in the basic numbers, I think. But as I mentioned, depth, I think, still think that you pick a first-choice team. Why don't you rattle off yours and I'll tell you how rubbish it is compared to mine. Well, this, to be fair, let's go with it. So, Genge, Montoya, Cole... Is my front row. Wells and Snyman are my locks. Lievenberg, Van Staart and Visa is my back row. Nine, I found hard because Youngs or JVP could have done it. I've gone with Youngs just. I'm just going to jump just. in because I'll make it really easy. You've picked the same pack as me. Sorry for anyone listening. I was really hoping we'd have loads of differences so we can have an <laughs> argument. But I've picked the same. Uh, the only one I tossed and turned over really was Snyman. We've not seen too much of him apart from he's, he's a he's a big unit. To be fair, I think Henderson has got a good shout. Yeah, yeah I, re- I really was close to picking Henderson with that as well. And obviously Callum Green, we haven't seen him in preseason, but he's got a lot to offer. Um, 
but yes, yeah, so I'll say right now, Pack was the same. I'd like you. I flipped a coin on JVP and Youngs. I think we will start with Youngs as, uh, as starting nine. I wouldn't be surprised if the baton's be passed by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I've gone with Youngs with JVP as the impact with 20, 30 minutes to go, but you could equally make an argument the other way. I've got Ford at 10, Nadolo left wing, Salmaki at right wing, centres of Kelly and Moroni. Kelly being the inside, Moroni the outside, and Freddie Stewart at, at 15. So that's my back division. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close. Yeah, I, I did toy with the idea of do I want Nadolo as you know on the bench for impact with a capital I. Uh some impact that is. So yeah, exactly. Just having warm me up on the touchline to make the other teams cap themselves. But but uh no, I th- I did start with him in the left wing, and then I uh, it's my only difference is instead of Kelly, I'm a big fan of I have got Scott, so I just think he got better and better as the season gone on, uh season went on last season. So I've got Scott and Moroni in the centres. Uh I've gone for Potter on the right wing. I am a massive fan, but I could be happy, happy to see Sam from what we've seen pre-season. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in there. Um, obviously, you've got Marimba Rivalu, who, who's, uh, who's fantastic on the wing. Bit out of position, but did, did superbly. So you could pick one of about four there and I'd be pretty happy. But I've got I've gone Harry Potter. I just really love his attitude. I think he's fantastic. And of course, yeah, like you, Stewart at uh, at fullback. So it, it probably goes to show, whilst we've been talking about the best depth we've had in years, I think that probably still is what you would call the, don't want to call them the 18. Yeah, let's call them the 18. But there isn't, there isn't a drop off. I don't think really anymore. No, I've, it, it's an interesting one. I've I've gone the same as you, and I've predicted Tigers to finish fourth in the fantasy league. And I think, as Queens have shown, it, momentum is a funny old game where you, I've talked myself into Tigers have won, could win the first five games of the season, and I've equally said we'll Luke will drop a couple of, of of games. But I do think there's an opportunity with um, Lions call ups and. Um, some early fixtures where we could build up a bit of early momentum where if you look at home games Exeter and Saris I think we could get the best real good opportunity to get some wins on the board if you look at the away games of, of Gloucester and Irish again there's some good opportunities and Worcester in the first five where there's a good opportunity to get some wins on the board and if you can do that you start building that momentum people start getting into it I think the squad depth is, is really really good where we can cover up across the board so I think if I think we're in a really good position and I think it's the squad depth and the youngsters that are coming through. There's still a couple of youngsters that we've not seen much of um, last year, but like Whitcomb, he came on strong as well. So I think across the board, we're in a really good position to really attack the league. So if we can get, you know, if you get in the top four, anything can happen. So um, let's, let's, let's go to it. Yeah, agree. I think a big thing for us is we don't have any lines, but we are missing our, our two of, well, obviously, Visa, we know from last season, it's going to be a big loss. Um, Ellis is going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting on the carrying, uh, as is the rest of the pack, Hanro and the gang, uh, George Martin, etc. So these guys will need to step up on the carrying front because Visa is undoubtedly a big loss. Um, but like you, I think that, you know, I hope, like to think, we've now got the depth and the consistency that means that we can we finish top four, but the start is so key. All right. Well, returning now to the rest of our uh, the rest of the league preview, we are going to start where we left off. We're going to pick up with Newcastle. Uh, Director of rugby, of course, is Dino. 
outgoings John Hardy and John Welch retiring. Uh, Cooper Vuna and Rodney Ayew moving on. Incomings, some pretty smart ones actually. Mike Brown, George Merrick and Nathan Earl. Uh, key absences, a couple of their pumas in Carreras and Orlando, the centre. Tenth last season. Elliot, what's happening with them? I think Falcons, uh, they had such a great start last year. I think I think they benefited from an extended pre-season because of how the championship finished and they had a good run-up. So it meant that they could attack those first early weeks of the season. You know with Dino, he's, he's always going to organise his teams well. They will be well-drilled. They'll know what they're doing. They'll compete for 80 minutes. I just think with Falcons, similar to last year, once you start getting into the season properly, that squad depth isn't where it is compared to other teams. And I think once you start picking up injuries and a bit of form uh, relapses and stuff like that, I think, I think that's where they'll be under a bit of pressure. I think they'll, again, similar to Irish, where they'll, they'll be causing a couple of scalps, they'll take a couple of teams down, they'll give you a, a fight for 80 minutes week to week, and they'll, you know, they'll not make it easy for you. But I think overall, over the course of the season, they'll, I think they'll, they'll struggle. And I've got them down as 11th. I look at how in the, um, the European game, or almost second choice pack, really did a job on them. And I think, you know, over the course of the season, I think I think that will get tested. So, yeah, I've, I've got them down as 11th. They'll, they'll, they'll do OK, but I just don't see them pulling up any trees. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, any side under Dino is going to cause problems. Uh, but I think that fourth place from a few years back does really sort of stun out as a bit of an anomaly now, to be honest. Um, of course, they're relegated after that, weren't they? And they, they bounced back. But um, I think they've, they've probably stagnated a little bit. Maybe Dino's taken them as far as he... He can, perhaps. Um, they're always going to be competitive, and I can't really, but I can't see them kicking on. I mean, that said, though, guys like Radwan getting the ball in space or bets or off, one of my favourite players to watch in the league. Um, he's he's going to be another one to watch this season. But agree with you, Ditto got him finishing eleventh. Next off, we've got our dear dear neighbours, the Northampton Saints. Director of rugby Chris Boyd, outgoings Francois Van Vyck, of course, who's uh, welcoming, uh, being welcomed at the Tigers. Owen Franks and Harry Malinder, forgot about him. He's off. Incomings, they've got uh, Courtney Skozan, who's a South African international winger, I think from back in 2017 or so. Uh, and Frank Lamani, who is a very exciting Fijian scrum half. Uh, key absences from the Lions, Dan Bigger and Courtney Laws, and they were fifth last year. Um, what do you think's happening, Elliot? Funny old team, Saints. Funny old team. If you look at how they finished a couple of years ago in that COVID-affected season, they had an absolute stinker. They didn't start well last year. They were pretty ropey for the first few weeks. Got a couple of sort of sneaky COVID wins under their belts. It sort of gave them a bit of uh, momentum and they sort of started dragging themselves up. If you look at how they play with Vesti and the attack coach, they're always going to play some good rugby. They've got some exciting young players. So they'll pull up some trees there. I do think they are a bit flaky, I've got to be honest. I think the defeat against them at home was really frustrating because they played okay. We just didn't play very well ourselves. And that was a game we probably should have won. Um, and could, should have, should have, could have, should have, would have. But I think Bigger and Courtney Laws being um, absent for large parts of the season, especially at the start, is a crucial loss for them. Laws, if you look at his carrying in the Lions tour, was it was staggeringly good. He's and a machine, taking, absolute oh, he's machine, absolute unit. And they missed out on him last year, obviously because of injury. And to be uh, be without him again this year, I think is going to hurt, especially with bigger at ten. I think they'll they 
they'll be mid-table, I think. I think I think they're going to be... I've got them down to seventh. I don't see them taking on top four. They'll be targeting top four. I just don't see them having that consistency that will, that will get them there. I don't think they've got the toughness or the edge to get them there. They'll play some pretty rugby. They'll, again, score some great tries. I think up front they'll get they'll get challenged. I think they'll have a bit of a ropey patch during the middle of the season when the pitch is a bit heavier and, and it's wet and windy and you can't throw the ball around as much. Yeah, I don't think you're too far off. I mean, I've got them as seventh as well. Um, but the, these were the guys who I found toughest to, to pick, uh, even above Harlequins, because begrudgingly, I have to say, I really like what Chris Boyd has done with Northampton. Um a real sort of homegrown side with bags of local talent like Slight Home and Freeman and I think there was a point last year when they stuck out a full 15 of academy graduates which you, you can only applaud and I, I think they've got a fantastic captain in in uh, Lewis Ludlam who brings a similar Genge-like energy to, to that side um, definitely going to be t- tasty as always when when we meet them at either the Gardens or Welford Road so it, I think they're a tough side to place because I don't see too much out and out quality in that side, although there, there clearly is some, some some serious talent. And and Boyd has got some plays with great rugby, but I think in a competitive league like you, I think that I'm I'm not entirely convinced about the depth again, and I do wonder how they're going to deal with that sort of slower uh, middle patch of the season. I've got finishing seventh as well. Um, we'll move on to another tough side who were obviously top four last season. We've got Sales Sharks. That's director of rugby, Alex Sanderson. Outgoings, basically just one front row going out in Wilgriff John, Jake Cooper-Woolley and Morozov. And incomings, another front row coming in. Simon McIntyre, Tommy Taylor and Nick Shunnett and uh, key absences. Now, this is interesting because obviously Tom Curry for the Lions. But you look at the spring boxer in that rugby championship squad, who, as I say, may not be seen until the new year. You've got... Fafty Clerk, Connor Eustazen, Diaga, um, the two Debris and the two Debris brothers, um, the, the big ones. Um, <laughs> They're all big, I mean. The, the, the very big ones. <laughs> I mean, that's some food bill, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah, I know. Exactly, price up the bill, Tom. But I mean, they were third last year at a very tough semi-final to Exeter where I thought they may have had a shot if McGinty hadn't been injured the week before in that ridiculous situation when they had to play them in the league the week before the playoff. But do you think they can stick around in the top four? I think it's a season of two halves for, for sale. I think if you look at the list of absences and McGinty as well, I think in that first half of the season, I think they'll really struggle. And I think squad depth will be tested. When I looked at the depth uh, of them, they look a bit light in numbers. I know they've relied on their academy previously. You've got to imagine the sort of luck um, it's got to run out on, on being able to manage with such low numbers. So I think this is a season where, especially for the first half of the season, they're going to be down at the bottom. I think with Sanderson, he'll keep the faith. His processes and um, philosophy will, will will keep him a tight knit group, and he'll he'll keep keep them working. And I think the second half of the season, once their players will start coming back, and they benefit from having the you know the South African boys back and back fit and available, I think they'll start running up a string of um, good results. So I think they'll climb the table very, very quickly. And I think you could end up having a 70, 80% win record in the second half of the season. I've got them in the middle of the table. I've got them at sixth, purely based on that, where I think it will be first half of the season, really struggling. Second half, they'll just rattle up the league and they'll take advantage of that with players coming back. And, you know, 
sail away on a Friday night. It's 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 hard. They're competitive. Sail yeah. away, sail away. Sail away. <laughs> the, the, I think such the, a good singing voice. I know it's the Enya fixture. It has has to be done every time. Uh, I, I I I agree with you, mate. I've got them. I did have them as fifth, but then you convinced me, and I convinced myself on Harlequins to do a swap route. So I've actually got Quinn's fifth. I've got Sale finishing sixth. Um, I think that they're. I think they may be the worst affected. You know about with these international call-ups. Those are some huge key players, and yes, they've got great young guys like Rafi Quirk who can step in at night. Super exciting scrum half. Um, but I think you throw in McGinty's injuries too. The really nasty knee injury, and I think with Smith, he was up there as the best ten of the league um, last okay. year. Uh, but by by a distance, I'd say he, his form towards the end of the season was absolutely outrageous. Uh, and because of Marcus Smith's form, he sort of went under the radar a bit. But he was he was absolutely critical to how they play. Um, I agree with you. I think you'll be interested to see how far back they are when they're when the reinforcements arrive. Um, because of that, I, I don't think they're going to be able to make the top four again. Uh, so yeah, I've got them finishing sixth. And the the newly promoted underdogs we move on to now. Saracens <laughs> again again bring out the pantomime boo. Director of rugby Mark McCall. Outgoings, um, Michael Rhodes, Callum Clark has retired, no comment. Uh, Ali Crossdale, Tom Whiteley, and of course, Sachino, who's joined Tigers. Uh, incoming, uh, Ivan Van Zyl, who's a Springbok nine, and Marco Riccioni, who is that impressive young Italian prop. Uh, key absences, obviously, been hit hard by Lions call ups. Uh, Mako Vinopola, Jamie George, Mario Toje, Owen Farrell, Elliot Daly. Uh, and Vincent Cock for the Springboks. Obviously, they were championship exile last year, much to the annoyance of every neutral they were promoted. Is it going to be picking up where they left off, Elliot? Oh, the accountant's favourites. The thing is, Sarah, is the London media have got a big in them up, um, as they always are. I think if you look at the absences, especially for the first half of the season, similar with Sale, I think that that squad, if you take out... Funapola, George, Toji, Fowl, Daily Cock. There really is, it's a half-decent squad, but it's not one where, you, where you're going to look at it and go, oh, that's going to cause some damage. I think it's an okay-ish squad. I think it's a mid-table-ish squad. If it wasn't a Lions year, I would have Saris down as top four certainties because that squad, when you factor in those Lions players, presume that they are under the salary cap, of course, allegedly. Um, you know, that's going to do some damage because they are, some, they are quality take them out and take them out for significant chunks of the season like you've identified first few weeks of the season only a couple of weeks back then into autumn internationals and Six Nations on top of it a lot of time is going to be spent without their best players because of that I think the squad depth again I think will get tested I think we'll start to see you know with a smaller squad how good the overall um, depth actually is as a result I've got them down as fifth I think they'll have a, a make a late charge. I think they're good enough in that sort of last third of the season to win every game. They can just keep, you know, rattle off four, five, six wins in a row. I think they'll be too far down the table to get into the top four. And I think, you know, they will be mid-table, lower mid-table for most of the season. They'll make a late charge and I think they'll they'll miss out. Yeah, so very welcome. It's the first point where I think we've got daylight between us. Although now you've got me really second-guessing myself because <laughs> I've got them as second. And one thing I did forget to say on the incomings, of course, is that you've got a whole host of of great guys coming back from from low. You know, not just Merlins and Earl, who we mentioned earlier, but Lazowski 
is coming back. Um, Ezekwe uh, as well. And these are these are fantastic players, as, as we know. And yeah, I, I do accept they are going to lose a lot of players, but I think that their squad, I think there's going to be enough good players left behind for them to carry on competing. The, the interesting thing will be the guys who they blooded in the championship. How quickly can they make that step up to premiership standard? I, I think that the standard at Saracens is high enough that they, they will make it quite quickly. I am very sorry to say that I think that they are brilliantly coached. I can see them picking up where they left off. So I've got them down a second, only to Exeter, uh, much to my irritation. Um, speaking of irritating pests, we'll move on to Wasps. Uh, did you like that? Love segment? that. Love that. Segment, yeah. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, lo- lovely offload onto Wasps. Uh, Ed coach Lee Blackett, outgoings, some big names here. Roland, Sapuanga, Velikot, uh, Vailanu, Brooks, De Jong, McIntyre, Incomings, uh, Huhard, Crossdale, Stuke, Nizam Carr. And I think, you know, th- those guys are all decent, but the big one is uh, uh, Vaipa from from New Zealand, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Blindside flanker, absolutely massive. Uh, key absences, um, they are, I think, one of the only clubs with a big fat zero. Um, they're not missing anyone for international products, but I'm going to break my rule and mention injuries here because they are missing. Pretty handy trio in Joe Launchery, Jack Willis and Paolo Adogu, who are all out of just checks when they're coming back. We're not going to see them until Christmas at the earliest, and they're all coming back from very nasty knee injuries. And those, I think any club's going to miss those three, aren't they, Elliot? Totally. I look at Wasps. Under normal circumstances, they disappoint, you know, they disappointed themselves last year, finishing so low down in eighth. If they had a full squad available, you'd look to see them making improvements. They'd want to sort of put some wrongs um, that the coaching changes. I think they've got, um, I think John Mitchell come in in the um, into the coaching setup. So I'm intrigued to see how he gets on. Another mention, another sort of small point just to sort of talk about is um, the new coach, uh, the new training ground they've got set up and the new facilities they've got there. You know, it's just, it might sound like a bit of a trivial point, but it does make a difference to the sort of culture and your attitude to go into training, to be around top top draw facilities. It, I think it gives you an extra few percentage points in your level of performance. It, it stri- makes you strive for improvement a bit more. So I think having a new training ground, I think might help them there. But overall, I think, like you say, if you look at those players that you've got out injured, Launchbury and Willis are such big players for them in terms of just leadership and attitude and not just their, their own ability as well. And to take them out to the side is, is going to be, I think, a real damaging for them. I've got them at ninth. I think they will take a couple of results, but ultimately I've always thought they were a bit flaky up in the forwards. Take Launchbury and Willis out. I don't think there's a lot there to sort of back it up. I think they could be got at up front. So yeah, even with the, uh, the new training ground, Still got them down in down in ninth. It's a really good point on the new training ground, actually, particularly because I don't know how true this is. I, I've heard on the grapevine that there was some. It was a bit acrimonious, shall we say, with with uh, with the rugby club who they were sharing with. It wasn't a completely sweet relationship. That could be nonsense, but obviously that has an effect as well, like you say, on culture. And again, having having a good training ground makes a big difference. But I agree. I think they flattered to deceive last year and. I think those key injuries may mean that they struggle to make the progress they hope to make this time round. Although, as I say, Fafita is an absolute beast and a hell of a signing, to be honest. And I think he'll definitely be more of a hit than the last Kiwi star signing in Sapawanga, who 
probably will be polite, didn't show his best in a Wasps shirt. I had my doubts beforehand, and you know, sadly for, for them, they, I, I was proved right on that. But Sapuanga leaving, whilst he didn't perform, it does put a hell of a lot of pressure on their two young tens. Because, I mean, I assume Gopeth will usually play 12, but you've got then a lot of pressure going on Umanga uh, and Atkinson, who's you know obviously got some game time, but it's only formally been promoted from the academy this time round. Um, I'm not convinced by their type five at all, I've got to say. And I think in the second row, particularly with Lawrence Bringer, I think they're looking right. I think Rollins is a big loss as well for them. Um, and I agree. I don't think that they're going to be tearing up too many trees. I've got them finishing eighth again. Um, and we'll move on to last. And I have to say, in terms of how I've rated them least, uh, <laughs> which sounds horrible. Uh, but we will uh, move on to Worcester Warriors. Uh, we've got Alan Solomons as the director of rugby. Jonathan Thomas is their coach. Outgoings, it, well, it, there's just too many to mention. They've basically done a complete sort of switcheroo of half the side. But just some of the big names uh, are Weir, Shonat, Hugard, Pennell and Merrick. Uh, incomings, again, loads. So uh, they are good. I have to say, Duhan van der Merwe, Rory Sutherland, Willie Hines, uh, Vailanu from Wasps, Owen Williams, Scott Baldwin and Matt Garvey. Uh, and the only key absences in terms of Lions uh, selections, I think, are Sutherland and Van der Merwe. But again, they're not subject to the English rules. So I'm not quite sure when we'll see them back. And if it's dead last 12th, an extra team in the league, do you think they're bottom of the pile again? All change, please, with, with, with Worcester. If you look at the amount of churn that's going on there, it's never easy to implement changes on that level where you've got big numbers of outgoings, big numbers of ingoings. It always takes time to settle settle in. It's never easy to to expect that number of changes to kick to you know to integrate and to go from the start. I think they are going to struggle. Um, when you look at them last year, one thing I would say is they had a lot of losing bonus points where they always gave teams a game. And if you're the coach and setup, you know, you would be looking at it going, well, if we make a few improvements there, would be a make a bit more uh, maybe a bit more competitive, make better decisions, cut out the errors. We can turn those losing bonus points into wins. So they would, put, they would look at that and think, well, we've got seven or eight losing bonus points, turn a few of those into victories, we're back into the sort of mid-table pack. So I think that's probably where they will be targeting that as a, on their level of improvement. I personally just don't see, even with the design, like you said, the signings are good. I just think it's too many changes for, for it to be able to settle down. I've got them stone dead last as, as, as well. I just cannot see them kicking through enough to be able to get above that. So, yeah, unfortunately, if you're a Worcester fan, I've got you stone dead last. Yeah, it is a difficult one with Worcester because I think there are some good signings. I think Bailanu, um, you know, for Wasps, uh, he'll be my one to watch because he causes no end of problems, particularly when we played them at their place. He was a one-man wrecking machine, really, I thought, in that game. Um, But as you say, trying to bring in that number of players in one go is a real, real challenge and it will take them a while to gel or get on the same wavelength. Like you, I just, I, I'm not convinced it can happen quick enough for them this season at least. They might well be setting the groundwork for some movement, you know, positive movement over the next few seasons. But for this time, again, I can't see it uh, finishing uh, or at least resulting in anything particularly better than what we saw last season. So yeah, like you, Finishing 13th for me.
all right. Well, that is the Premiership completed, as far as we're concerned. So done. let's done. 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 No need to talk about anyone else now. Let's move on to the preseason progress. Uh, 35-28 win against Dragons. Exciting game and some good rugby from both sides. Uh, probably getting dragged back from 21 nil leads, 28 apiece might be a bit of a concern, but uh, you know, good run out. Yeah, I think so. I think some good combinations got run out. Nick, Do- Nick Dolly, as I said earlier, he had a uh, continuous good form. Intriguing to see a couple of players, a couple of positions, a couple of young lads as well, um, getting some game time. Nadolo um, coming back and scoring a try with a really good finish. I think that's quite nice. The two tries for Freddie Stewart. Again, that was impressive and, and, and good to see. It was just nice to see us try a few things, play a bit of a tempo, um, and yeah, get really integrated the new signings as well. So, and also we get to see the new away kit as well. So that's most important of, of all things. We uh, we saw the new away kit in action. So no, I think they'll take a lot from it. There was a good fitness test for them. And most importantly, we got a win. I think they might be a bit concerned about conceding four tries, especially at home, but a couple of them were intercepts. So just a couple of um, decision-making to be improved on, tighten up and take a few things to work on. So I think... Yeah, I think they'll, they'll take more from it for, than not. And I think they'll just put it in the bank for uh, for the Exeter game in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good row. Showed some nice ambition at times. And, you know, behold, set-piece moves actually paid off. We saw a couple of them, uh, I think. And, you know, that's um, that's always really nice to see. You know, a nice training ground move. Obviously, Nadolo's at the end. You know, oh, my tank. Just seeing him full throttle down the wing. You just... It, it, it is frightening when you see him going like that. Yeah, you, you, you normally criticise the right winger for not tackling, but I think he could be forgiven for looking at that one. Going ten minutes to go, pre-season friendly. Yeah, you can just have it. You, you can have it, mate. I criticise him. I'd criticise him for tackling. To be honest, if you did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, like you think that yeah, perhaps that you know throw, throwing away a, a, quite a big lead was was a bit annoying. Two of them were intercepts. Um, fortunately. Uh, Big thanks to the Tigers for putting on the stream for free, which was was great. But uh, I think they were trying to be a bit too creative with their with their camera cuts. So a few times you couldn't see where the intercepts had come from. Um, so hopefully that will be improved on next time from the, in the editing suite. But I thought uh, um, that's something, as you say, that can be hopefully tidied up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I thought there were some good standout performances as well. I, I mean, I have to say, Ollie Chesham, I thought had a great first half. Um, Really good at the line out, very aggressive on the carry. And actually, to be honest, probably like I should have flagged last time as being, you know, someone who might make a step up this year. He's he is a big, big unit and you know could very well end up being a, a serious force in the second row where I think his long-term future might be. And uh Reffel had uh, a great game, it was a nightmare over the ball as usual. Yeah, you know, Gareth Evans has gone about his work the last two games. You know, he's coming as a short-term option, but he's he's really good work rate. Um Burns looking to look at 10. I thought the two Aussies again, you know, as you know, I'm part of the Guy Porter fan club, but, uh, you know, showed some nice distribution in the wider channels, I thought, to Sam Mackey in particular, who again was was dangerous. And 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 Potter, his work rate's brilliant. He just seems to appear all over the park, as if by magic. Oh, I love that. No, love you don't. That. You, sh- you shouldn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I mean, the big one, of course, was JVP, I thought. The real deal, you know, he absolutely bossed it. You know, that one intercept side, which is, I thought, a bit unlucky, but he was absolutely superb. Um, he was pretty much flawless, actually. Anyone stand out for you? I have to say, it was nice to see Johnny Lord get a run out. 
Um, he had his yeah, yeah. loan spell loan spell down at Amps Hill last year. So it's good to see him um, come back and, and get some minutes under his belt. So I think that worked quite nicely. Like you say, for the, the Dolo try, it's a really nice bit of movement. I think Lancaster in the midfield, I think he was really clever in his position and, and his distribution. So I think that was exciting to see. And I think he could be a, a signing that really kicks through um, as well. I have to say, I agree with you about Evans. I think as a real clever signing, that's something that, you know, you talk about someone that just does his hard yards, does it does the work quietly but effective. I think he's that sort of sort of signing that you need in a squad to to, to help get you through. So real bit of, good bit of business that from Tigers to to get him in. And it's that all eyes for uh, for next week for uh, for Scarlet. So we've played one Welsh team. We now play another um, last one before the uh, the Exeter game. So I'm intrigued to see which is the starting lineup who gets some game time and and how he approaches it. But I'm looking forward to it. And I'm going as well. So first time back at Welford Road for me for uh, almost well over 18 months as well. So I missed about on the Bristol game and obviously the, uh, the Dragons game. So I'm very excited. Yeah, real treat, definitely. And, you know, hopefully they'll put on a show. And I think we'll probably see a few of the the older boys who have had their first pre-season with Tigers for probably about a decade. You know, they've got, got Youngs, Cole, Ford. I think we'll probably see them start. Genge, obviously, we haven't seen yet, um, and, and Callum Green as well. And other guys have only you know, sort of shown up sporadically into Harry Wells, for example. So I think we'll potentially see more of a that first choice team, perhaps more reflection of what we might see at Exeter, perhaps. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'll just quickly touch on perhaps one of the only area that uh, um, concerned me, I thought, and it'll be interesting to see what Kevin Sinfield sort of does with this as well. I thought defensively there were just a couple of little bits I thought were, were problematic. I thought there were a few times when we kicked, you know, sort of into that that channel by the touchline and it's taken by their winger and he passes it back inside and then they go back and attack that sort of that narrow channel. And often our chasing winger or whoever it may be was on the chase would follow the ball inside and all of a sudden it leaves that gap by the touchline. And that happened a couple of times last season as well. That's just something I think we need to be aware of, that better communication, stay up flat, try not to follow the ball, trust the inside cover. Um, uh, hopefully that, that'll get stamped out. Um, I think that, though, in terms of the try score, I think Sinfield will probably only be concerned really with, um, I think there was one which was probably a bit too easy from, I think it was numbering up issue from close range. I think Snyman, yeah. I think, perhaps didn't get his timing right coming out the line and, uh, and, and that led to, I think, Chesson basically being left with a thankless task of a two-on-one in terms of dealing with a little pod. So that, that didn't work. Um, and then I think there was just a simple missed tackle in the midfield, wasn't there, for their for their other one. Um, so, you know, those are all very, very fixable, nothing too concerning. The one thing that I didn't, did think did get flagged was, obviously, with the, that rush defence, you're relying particularly on your outside centre, in this case, Guy Porter, to, to rush up quickly and pick his runner. And that sometimes means that he will bite in. That's always going to happen with a really aggressive press defence. Just need to make sure that that inside cover, once the ball's moved on, is properly rushing to get there and cover off uh, any any attacks that managed to attacks that managed to beat the blitz. Um, but you know, Kevin, Sir Kev will know about a thousand times more than this than I do, so I'm sure they're all over it. But no, other than that, another useful exercise. And like you, I hope we'll see um, you know something something approaching full strength next week. Okay, well. That was a bit of a marathon run at the end, but we're we're there at the end. Just before we say goodbye, we've had news today that uh, ex-Tigers fly half Toby Flood is hanging up his boots. I think I've read after 18 years of professional rugby, which is astonishing. Um, 
hell of a player, Elliot. Terrific player, terrific servant for Tigers. Was gutted when he left us. Um, as someone mentioned on, on Twitter earlier, the abiding memory was, was at the, the game against Toulouse in the snow when he was chasing back and berating the groundsman for still being on the pitch and not clearing off the snow quick enough. And then in the final, in the Premiership final later that season when Courtney Laws absolutely folded him, it just shows his bravery of taking it to the line and, um, you know, being such an attacking 10. He was a great servant for Tigers and he's had a terrific career. He was superb at attacking the line. And I thought there were times when he was telepathic with Young's, particularly between, I thought, you know, 2010, 11 and 2013. I thought that they were just superb playing uh, playing off each other. Um, and yeah, I thought he was, for some reason, he was always slightly underrated, I thought, by the wider press and the wider rugby community. But 60 Cats for England shows that he was rated by the people in, you know, the most important places. Certainly, I always thought he was excellent when he left as well although he did seem to attract comedy as you pointed out there was the time I think against the Ospreys when he sort of ran into the post it was like a cartoon where they sort of run into a wall and then slide down it uh, thankfully he was alright and then I think shortly before that Tom Croft try in the Harlequin semi-final um, he was <laughs> wiped out by Dan Cole who was labouring back from yet another kick chase and just decided to take out a fly off in the process, maybe hoping that would stop the up-and-unders. Um, but uh, but shortly after, it made its way to uh, Crofty and he scored that worldie. But no, hell of a player. Hope he enjoys his retirement. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot to offer the game. He's sticking around as a coach. But that is it from Elliot and myself today. We do hope you've enjoyed listening. So please do rate, review and subscribe and all that jazz. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next Tuesday. Uh, next week to preview the big kickoff against the Chiefs. And we're delighted to say that we hope we're going to be joined by a very special guest, none other than the man with the best hair in Leicestershire, the Tigers digital content guru, Sam Williamson, a.k.a. Bondi. Either way, we look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week wherever you are, and we'll see you in seven days. Thank you very much. Take care.